Hi, everybody. I am Peter Travers, and welcome to this special edition of Popcorn, where I preview all the movies opening between Labor Day and New Year's Eve. I know. Wait, what? Aren't we in a pandemic? You know, will there really be movies this fall and theaters to show them in? I mean, the answer to both those questions is a huge yes. 62% of all U.S. theaters are open now. And there's going to be more to come, COVID permitting, of course. And those movies that can't make it to the multiplex will be available for rental or streaming. In sickness and in health, people, you can't keep a good movie down. So let's start with the blockbusters that are out there. Number one is Tenet. You know, here's that brain-teasing epic from Dark Knight director Christopher Nolan that's geared to fire up the fall season and in theaters. And with your mask and distancing in place, you can strap in for this kind of Christopher Nolan thrill ride and watch the spy master, he's played by John David Washington, give James Bond a run for his money, you know? You just have to get your head around the physics in this movie. Maybe you don't know about how you can go forward and backwards in time at the same time. I don't know either, you know, I was a little confused by that, but you'll be glued to the visual miracles that are on screen here. Every cent of Tenet's $200 million production budget shows up on screen. Eyes will pop, jaws will drop, pulses will pound, all that good stuff. Movies are back, baby. So what else do we have? We have Mulan, which is out there right now. And you'll check in at Disney Plus to watch this because it's not in theaters, but you can rent it and you could see live action film of the Disney animated hit about a young woman who disguises herself as a man to replace her sick father in the Imperial Army. The new Mulan is not a musical and there's no comic relief from Eddie Murphy as the voice of a fast talking dragon named Mushu. This is not that kind of movie. There's no whitewashing by using Western actors in a tale drawn from Chinese legend. And as Mulan, the astounding Liu Yifei leads an Asian cast that includes martial arts icon Jet Li as the emperor and China's leading actress Gong Li as a shape-shifting witch who teaches Mulan how to survive and prosper in a man's world. Look, Mulan is not your typical princess. She's a warrior fighting for her place in the world. Prepare to be wowed. Next up, Wonder Woman 1984, the sequel to the 2017 smash that made a star of Gal Gadot, remember her, places the DC Comics immortal Wonder Woman into the Cold War, where she does battle with a media tycoon played by Pedro Pascal and the villainous Cheetah played by Kristen Wick, who's always to me an asset in any movie. Chris Pine also returns as Steve Trevor, the American pilot that Wonder Woman loves. I know, didn't he die the last time during World War I? Look, people, you gotta go with this. This is Hollywood. So if we can borrow Wonder Woman's lasso of truth for a moment, credibility isn't the issue here. It's the show's stopping stunts, engineered by returning director Patty Jenkins and executed by Godot. And she's a formal Israeli military instructor. So, you know, you're in for a really good time. Next up is Black Widow. Look, Wonder Woman has competition already. You know, we've been waiting since spring for Marvel to let its first solo Black Widow epic out of storage and into theaters. 
Now the wait is over. Scarlett Johansson is back in action as Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. Black Widow. She's the Russian assassin with no superpowers, really, just skills. She's like the female Batman. This prequel looks back at her origin story, and it's a doozy. Florence Pugh is there as Natasha's surrogate sister, and Rachel Weisz is the leader of this Black Widow organization. There's not just one Black Widow. You can become a Black Widow, too, in this business. So watch your back, Wonder Woman. Next up, Candyman. There's nothing like a primo horror film to get us all back in the dark of a theater where we can scream our bloody hearts out. Behind a mask, of course. And with Get Out's Jordan Peele writing the screenplay, this direct sequel to 1992's cult Fright Fest stars Watchmen Emmy nominee Yaha Abdul-Mateen II as a visual artist drawn back to those housing projects in Chicago's Cabrini Green, where he was born. Now the whole place is gentrified beyond recognition, but the green is still haunted by Candyman, Tony Todd, an urban legend who still kills anyone who summons him by saying his name five times. Okay, all together now with me. Candyman, 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 Candyman. We did it. So I'm looking around here to see if I've summoned him up. Okay, next up, No Time to Die. Look, no red-blooded movie fan is going to think of missing Daniel Craig's fifth and final outing as James Bond. You know, for my money, Craig and Sean Connery are in dead heat for the best Bond ever. This one directed by Carrie Fuganaga, who did True Detective from a script, co-written, get this, by Fleabag's Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Daniel Craig asked for her because he really wants a little feminist touch to this. This is the 25th 007 caper. And, you know, this is a record. And we're going to lose Daniel Craig. But in the movie, James Bond's been retired for five years and he gets pulled back in. You know, that's what happens to everybody from The Godfather on. You know, Bohemian Rhapsody Oscar winner Rami Malek plays the facially scarred villain named Safin. And he's described by the director as more dangerous than anyone Bond has ever encountered. Okay, I'm in. How about you? Then we have Pixar's Soul, a new animated movie from Pixar's Always an Event. Jamie Foxx voices the role of Joe Gardner, a middle school music teacher who dreams of being a jazz musician. He gets his wish when his soul is separated from his body. I'm not telling you how. And before heading to the great before, heads to the great beyond and the great before. He goes back and forth to develop his personality as a jazz musician. You got that? You know, this sometimes is a little confusing, just like Tenet is, but don't worry. Pixar and the great cast that includes Tina Fey and Questlove and David Dix will teach audiences of all ages what it means to have soul. Then we have Free Guy. This is a sci-fi action comedy with Ryan Reynolds. He plays the guy. And he's basically a boring bank teller who learns he's in a video game. And that video game has been created in the movie by Taika Waititi. This guy's just great, so I'll see him in anything. But instead of panicking, Guy decides to become a hero in this video game before the developers can shut him down. Reynolds says he hasn't been disengaged in a movie since Deadpool. And so how can you resist? You can't. Coming to America. That's coming with the numeral two, America. It's been 32 years since Eddie Murphy created one of his funniest and sweetest characters. Uh, as he was Akeem, an African prince who came to America to find a wife. And if you love that cult comedy, and who of us didn't, 
you'll be psyched to watch the Prince of Zamunda return to Queens to connect to his street smart son, Lavelle, played by Jermaine Fowler. He didn't even know he had a son, but now he does. And the King's dad, who's played by James Earl Jones, I'm doing that thing with my voice. And he wants a king to groom his son as the new crown prince of Zamunda. So telling you that Leslie Jones, SNL's Leslie Jones, is playing Lavelle's mother should start the last coming. Also, Eddie Murphy, who loves playing multiple roles, also shows up as a soul singer named Sexual Chocolate. Sounds like a hit to me. Okay, Dune, Dune. You know, as epics go, this adaptation of Frank Herbert's sci-fi fantasy novel will be hard to beat this year. There's a lot of money spent on this one. It's set to be released in theaters in IMAX 3D. Anyway, Dune stars Timothy Chalamet as the son of the Duke, played by Oscar Isaac. This is the guy in charge of a planet that mines the most valuable substance in the universe. It's a drug called Spice, and it can extend your life. It can give you superhuman levels of thought and even make space travel possible. Except there's those giant, scary sandworms that stared guard against trespassers, so you've got to watch out for them. A 1984 David Lynch film and a 2000 TV series got tripped up by this material. But trust Denis Villeneuve, the director of Sicario, Arrival, and Blade Runner 2049. He's got the talent, imagination, and creative daring to do the impossible. And this is impossible. Okay, last of the blockbusters is West Side Story. And I can hear you. You're stopping now and you're saying, why would Steven Spielberg, of all people, want to remake the classic musical that already won 10 Oscars in 1962, including Best Picture? Hmm, yeah. Well, for starters, the remake was a script by Pulitzer Prize winner Tony Kushner. It's going to stick closer to the raw impact of the original Broadway version. With baby drivers Ansel Elgort as Tony and newcomer Rachel Zegler as Maria, the love story is still set against the urban gang war between the white jets and the Puerto Rican sharks. But Spielberg will go for a grittier feel. There's going to be not a touch of Hollywood in this one, we're told though the original choreography by Jerome Robbins will be reinterpreted by Josh Peck. Those classic songs by Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim will be there to sing us into a new year when the pandemic will hopefully be behind us. Okay, you know, there's never, we've got blockbusters and so we're ready to see all of this happen, but it's also the time, anything between Labor Day and the end of the year is all about Oscar contenders. We, they've got to get out there. I don't know when the Oscars will be. It looks like April now. But these movies have to be out there and make people want to say, give that guy an award. And the first one on my list is The Trial of the Chicago 7. And you've got to expect fireworks when Aaron Sorkin, who wrote and directed this, <clears throat> basically it's an actual story of the Chicago 7, a group of anti-war protesters who were charged with conspiracy in 1969 relating to the charges of inciting riots at the 1968 Democratic Convention. As you know, the issue of protest looms pretty large in our country right now. And expect Sorkin to light the flame with the help of Sasha Baron Cohen as Abby Hoffman, Eddie Redmayne as Tom Hayden, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II as Black Panther Bobby Seale, and Oscar winner Mark Rylance as their defense lawyer, William Kunstler. Look, to me, Oscar's going to have a field day with this one. I've seen it, and I'm telling you, 
this one is going to set your hair on fire. It's that exciting. Then we have Mank. There's another filmmaker firebrand, David Fincher. Remember what he did with Fight Club? He directs this biopic about screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz and his battles with director Orson Welles over who really wrote Citizen Kane. Have you been thinking about that? Anyway, Citizen Kane's considered the best American movie ever made. And with Oscar winner Gary Oldman as Mankiewicz and Tom Burke as Welles, here's a film that touches Hollywood and Oscar where they live. Hollywood loves movies about itself. Then we have On the Rocks, Sofia Coppola, who was Oscar nominated for Lost in Translation. And this time she returns with a comedy drama about a wife played by Rashida Jones, who thinks her husband, Marlon Wayans, is cheating on her, so she turns to her father for advice. The fact that dear old dad is played by Bill Murray should tell you you're in for a hell of a ride, you know, because it's Bill Murray. I'll see him in anything, and I know, so will you. Then we have American Utopia. This is a concert film. Spike Lee directed it right on stage where it played on Broadway to sold out audiences. It's just based on the album by David Byrne, who's right up there with 11 other musicians. And he, thanks to Spike's kind of kinetic genius with the camera, electrifies this into one of the best rock concerts ever. You've just never seen a film of a rock concert as good. Music fans, this one is definitely for you. Then, and I'm going to go through these because these are actors, directors, and people who really are in this for that Oscar contest. There's Those Who Wish Me Dead. Taylor Sheraton from Hell and High Water has created this Western thriller with Angelina Jolie, a boy, and Nicholas Holt. They play hired guns trying to hunt down a boy who witnessed the murder. Okay, I'm in. Angelina Jolie isn't even an animated. She's in person doing this one. So that's a big deal. Then we have Nomadland. And who doesn't want to watch two-time Oscar winner Frances McDormand, you know, illuminate the art of acting, which she constantly does. She's always surprising us. Here, the star of Fargo and Three Billboards plays a woman on a journey through the American West after losing everything during the recession. Sounds timely. It really sounds timely. Then we have Deep Water, this psychological thriller stars Ben Affleck and his new off-screen love, Ana de Armas. Boy, you know, there's a lot going on in these kinds of things. Anyway, they play a couple who fall out of love into playing dangerous mind games with each other. This sounds a little bit like um, Gone Girl, too. Well, who knows? We're going to find out when we see it. The other film, which is interesting in parallel with Deep Water is Stillwater, Stillwater, Deep Water, Stillwater, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck's bestie, you know? They're gonna be buying for this Best Actor Oscar together. And in this one, um, he is playing, Matt Damon is playing a father working to exonerate his estranged daughter, Abigail Breslin, of a murder she never committed. There's a lot of real life parallels to this. You know, you wanna figure it out. I am not doing any spoilers. Then we have Hillbilly Elegy. This stars Glenn Close and Amy Adams, and they're attempting to end their reputation as the greatest actresses who have never won an Oscar. <clears throat> it's sad, isn't it? Can you believe it? They've never won. And they're starring in Ron Howard's film version of J.D. Vance's bestseller about three generations of an Appalachian family. So 
this is the chance to do it. And the next movie adds two more to this best actress category. It's called Ammonite. It's a period drama about the then forbidden love between the paleontologist played by Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan. If these two aren't back in the Oscar race, I don't know my Oscar races. Next up, respect, please. Oscar voters, everybody, please note that I don't need to say anything more than Jennifer Hudson is playing Aretha Franklin. <laughs> Enough said, we are gonna go see this. We want that powerhouse to show up on screen and we want to applaud it. Okay, last of the Oscar contenders on my list is News of the World. This is Paul Greengrass, the, who directed his Captain Phillips uh, star to an Oscar nomination he didn't get. Tom Hanks deserved that Oscar nomination for Captain Phillips like nobody's business. Didn't get it, but maybe he will this time. And this is a film about a Texan, played by Hanks, traveling across the Wild West, bringing the news of the world to local townspeople. But the plot hinges on his agreeing to help rescue a young girl who was kidnapped. Out of simple things, potential best picture Oscar contenders grow. So look at people, we've got a mess out there. Pandemic isn't gonna stop us. We are out there to say movies are alive and we're gonna be there to watch them. <laughs>